0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers' defensive backs were considered a strength heading into the season, but things didn't really work out that way at all. Why was that? And what has to change to avoid the same thing happening again in 2023? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Muertink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. We're talking defensive backs today. We took a a bit of time off from our position-by-position recap last time round because there was some news over the weekend, well, over the last week or so, about people's opinions on Aaron Rodgers. And and since that has happened, since we had that episode, a couple more things have come out. I think we need to give this the weekend and see what shakes loose in Green Bay. If anything, maybe we'll have some more substantial news to talk about next week when we get back together. I'm not saying I know anything one way or another. I'm just saying let's give it a little bit more time because we've had a couple takes going back and forth. In the meantime, defensive backs. If there's a position group that I could qualify as, or quantify or describe, I guess, as the most disappointing on the 2022 Packers, it would probably be the defensive backs as a whole. The cornerbacks, the safeties, the whole picture there just wasn't great. And it was supposed to be really, really good. Recapping where we started, we had Jair Alexander, Big contract extension back in the lineup after missing most of twenty twenty one with the with the shoulder injury. Rasul Douglas back at a new deal too, maybe playing a bit of a different role, but shoot, he was great in twenty twenty one. What's not to be excited about? You had Eric Stokes potentially taking a leap in the second year. You had some interesting new pieces, maybe Shamar John Charles taking a bit of a leap at safety. Sure, Darnell Savage had been on a bit of a downward swing in 2021, but he's still a good athlete. Second year in um, Joe Barry's system, maybe he takes a leap forward. And of course, Adrian Amos, steady as always. Sure, there wasn't a lot of depth there, but if those two guys are out there most of the time, that should be a pretty solid lineup. Between those five guys, you figure you probably have a pretty healthy secondary. Well, health wasn't really the problem. It just wasn't very good. The whole picture kind of fell apart for a variety of reasons. And then the injury started and then, and then, and then, and then, and then here we are wondering if a position group that we thought was going to be a strength heading into last season is going to look anything like the group we had in 2022 heading into 2023. At safety, which is where we'll start, things might look a lot different. There are a bunch of guys on the Packers roster at safety who played a little bit who may be in line for some increased roles. And if we talk about that cameo category, guys that played 100 snaps or fewer or less than 100 snaps on their primary unit, in this case defense, we've got quite a selection here. Micah Abernathy, one of the stars of the preseason who never really got much of a look on on defense in the 2022 season, played a grand total of one snap on defense, in fact, which is the same number as Jonathan Abram, who the Packers claimed on waivers uh, near the middle of the season. He rattled around on special teams for a little bit, but didn't last too long in Green Bay. Tariq Carpenter had a few snaps on defense, but was primarily a special teams player, which was, I think, a great position for him to be in in 2022. He seems like he has the the potential to be a core special teamer for years to come. Innis Gaines, a 2021 preseason star, did get a couple of reps on defense. Nothing really too spectacular down the stretch. And then Dallin Levitt, who I think either was first or second in special team snaps. I think it was first. He had, he had over 300, more than 300. Didn't play a single snap on defense, though. Uh, I don't feel like we can really talk about him among the safeties. We'll talk about him uh, in the special team's portion of our our recap here, which will be next week at that point. So you got a bunch of guys there who were kind of kicking around the periphery of the team, but when it came down to it, the safety room was functionally three players. Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, and Rudy Ford. Let's go fewest snaps to most snaps there. Rudy Ford ended up playing 442 snaps on defense, 108 on special teams, Pretty much the exact reverse of where I thought he would shake out this year. I thought he was going to be punt gunner extraordinaire. Sorry, punt flyer extraordinaire. uh, Maybe play a few snaps on special teams instead. He's like maybe a step or two below a core member of this defense, which take that for whatever you will. But he, he played significant snaps for your 2022 Green Bay Packers and wasn't terrible. In fact, he was really, really good if you look at the grades. Stat-wise, 44 tackles, three interceptions, a forced fumble. Two tackles on special teams, way fewer than I thought he'd get, but I think you, you exchange that for what you got from him on special teams, and you feel pretty happy. He looked like an exclusive special teamer at the time they signed him. It turned out to, again, have a fairly big role on both special teams and on defense. How big was that role, and how good was he? Well, maybe it says something about the overall quality of the Packers defense. Maybe Rudy Ford just had a really good year, but he was the third best graded player on the Packers defense, according to Pro Football Focus. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on Ford, because I think you got everything you could have hoped for from him and then some. If you were expecting third best graded player on the defense, even if your defense stinks, that's saying something for a guy you got basically for a song in the middle of training camp. When Darnell Savage went down, He stepped up and stepped in basically seamlessly, was good early on, tailed off a little bit, but playing heavy snaps, you kind of expect something like that for a guy like this. You expect him more in the maybe 10 to 15 snaps per game on defense at most sort of range of things instead of being basically your number two safety as soon as Darnell Savage stepped out. He falls into the category of player that I would (laughs) dating back to to Josh Jones in 2016, 2017, uh, who we referred to as startup players, you know, the, the, the tech bro startup type culture, move fast and break stuff. That seems to describe the Rudy Ford experience more or less. Move fast, break stuff. If you miss, at least you got there going quickly. Again, kind of a fun experience, fun story, fun player, Fun guy to watch when he did. The ball seemed to find him there for a few weeks in a row. Uh, Just fun to watch that sort of thing develop. As far as next year goes, he is currently an unrestricted free agent. And I think more even than diving into what the Packers should do, I think you just say wait and see regardless. Because there are a lot of other cap things that have to happen before you start talking about the guys that you want to bring it back, who you don't currently have under contract. You've got to make some decisions on some cuts. You've got to make some decisions on some restructures, and then, of course, Aaron Rodgers still looming about out there, though now apparently out of the darkness. Good for him. Uh, let's wait and see on Rudy Ford. Might be nice to have special teams contributor, number three safety. You might need two safeties. We'll talk about that here in a second. In fact, we're going to talk about it right now because the two big safeties and the two biggest question mark at safety are our next two guys, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. Let's talk about Darnell Savage first and foremost. The 2019 first round pick played 819 snaps on defense in 2022, 89 on special teams, wrapped up his year with 58 tackles, one interception, and five passes defense. That one interception in the season, a career low for a season-long mark. But boy, did he make it count. He picked off a deflected pass late in the season against the Minnesota Vikings and returned it 75 yards for a touchdown. If you're only going to get one interception on the year, I think that qualifies as making it count. We came into this year with pretty high expectations for Savage. They needed him to be a steady member of the secondary. I predicted that he'd be able to clean up some of his issues in the second year in Joe Barry's scheme. None of that turned out to be the case. He was a liability in coverage, and he posted a career-worst rate for missed tackles. According to Pro Football Focus, he missed 18.8% of his tackle attempts in 2022. For a guy that was already a pretty poor tackler, that is significantly worse than his previous career-worst, which was in 2021, he averaged like 16.5% miss rate uh, on his tackle attempts. It was a step back in just about every way you could imagine. Disappointing season for Savage on every front. Other than one key thing, as far as Darnell Savage is concerned, the Packers picked up his fifth-year option, and that means he's looking at pretty much a, well, not pretty much, an actual fully guaranteed contract for next year. More on that in a second. For 2022, Darnell Savage regressed in about every way you could imagine. And I think we're at the point, looking at his career, where you can put a firm dividing line between his years under Mike Pettin and his years under Joe Barry. Take what pro football focus says with a grain of salt. We've enumerated many reasons why over however long we've been doing this now. But in year one and two of Darnell Savage's career, playing under Mike Pettin, he graded out average to above average, especially in coverage. In years three and four, under Joe Barry, he graded out below average, to significantly below average. And I would like to take a little bit more time looking into exactly why that is. Both him and Adrian Amos, and also just to throw this in here, Rasul Douglas, I want to do a deeper dive on why their roles and performance changed a little bit in 2022. I think a lot of it comes down to usage. We dug into the numbers before with Adrian Amos. He was playing slightly differently this year, as of I think we did that around week 10 to 12, somewhere in there or so. Now that we've got the full stats for 2022, I want to go back and look at some more of that stuff. Savage, Amos, and Rasul Douglas I think end up being the most interesting members of this secondary because basically you can boil down the Packers secondary, but to two of those guys not playing as well as they did Previously with the Packers, and one guy playing a different role for the Packers this year, and that may not have been a good decision anyway. But back to Savage, currently he's on the books for about eight and a half million dollars, fully guaranteed for 2023. As far as picking up his fifth year option went, they had to make it the decision after his third year, and I defended the decision at the time because even now he's like low to mid 20s in terms of what he's costing the Packers. Um, ranking wise, among other people at his position, the idea behind defending picking up his fifth year option was, even if he is like the twenty fifth best safety in the league, that's about where he's getting paid. That's about where his cap number is, about you know twenty five or so. Now I don't think you can justify keeping him at that price. It's the only thing to really do right now if you want to get rid of him is to flip him to another team that can eat the contract. Cutting him outright doesn't really do anything for you because the contract is fully guaranteed. It hits your books anyway. Unless you move his contract, you're kind of stuck here. So you probably are going to have to give up some draft capital to get somebody else to do that favor for you of taking on his contract. Well, as it so happens, the Packers have a bunch of day three picks. So it's theoretically possible that they could flip Savage plus one or more of those picks and get the job done. If you can say, hey, at least based on how our scheme is right now, we don't think we can use this guy. Maybe you can and eat this cap number for us as a favor. We'll give you a couple draft picks. What do you say? Maybe that gets the job done. I don't think he's really someone you're, you're looking to make a core member of your secondary in 2023, unless you think he can get back to being the player that he was in 2020. Even late in 2019, he was he was good. In 2020, we talked about this at length at the time, he went on a long stretch where he was consistently making notable, significant plays on the ball week in and week out. He was the player that they imagined him to be late in his second year. In fact, reset your brain a little bit to points of the 2020 season. We were talking about the Packers having the best safety duo in the NFL between Amos and Darnell Savage. Boy, that has changed quite a bit. The Packers might be telling themselves that Darnell Savage can get back to being that player, or if you're looking to move Savage, you might try to convince somebody else that he can can get back to being that player. Do you think he's going to prove you wrong? If so, maybe you try to move him. That would give you a little bit more cap space and would let you not have to deal with this player who has underperformed the last couple of years, regardless of whether you think the scheme is a problem or not. I still think there's a reason for some hope here. He did play slightly better when they started using him a little bit more in the slot, which is interesting because that was one of the reasons they talked about wanting to draft him in the first place way back in 2019 was his ability to cover the slot as a sort of flexible nickel safety. You may also want to think about keeping Darnell Savage. And again, I'm not saying this is a good idea, but this is a reason you might think about doing it because there's pretty much nobody else at safety you can really trust to do anything on the field. Adrian Amos's contract voided on Monday. Rudy Ford is a free agent. We already cut Jonathan Abram. Tariq Carpenter didn't play on, on defense pretty much at all. In his gains, Has really not developed into anything more than an occasional, uh, getting an occasional stint on the 53-man roster, playing some special teams. And Micah Abernathy, unless you really think he can jump from where he was in the preseason, going from undrafted to I guess starting safety wouldn't be unheard of, but you are going to need bodies there at some point. So maybe the Packers talk themselves into keeping Darnell Savage. I hope they don't, but it wouldn't totally surprise me if they did. That's where we're at with Darnell Savage. Boy, I hope they don't keep him, but if they did, it wouldn't be all that surprising. That's a bummer of a place to be in for one of your two first round picks from 2019. But so it goes. This is the NFL. And speaking of how it goes, Adrian Amos appears to be wrapping up his career in Green Bay after being one of the, well, the the class of the 2019, one of the four people in the 2019 free agent class. There, we finally got there, took a couple attempts, but uh, Billy Turner, Adrian Amos, Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith. As of right now, Preston Smith, the last man standing of that four-person group. He played 977 snaps on defense in 2022, most on the Green Bay Packers, one of the most on the team in terms of total snaps, in addition to his 111 he played on special teams, ended up with 73 tackles, seven tackles for loss, a career high, one interception, and five passes defense. He actually broke a streak of four straight seasons with two interceptions, dating back to his last season as a member of the Chicago Bears. Had some high expectations for Adrian coming into 2022. He had been a core player in the secondary for years. He still was a core player in the secondary in 2022. He just wasn't as good of a player. I predicted he'd a 1,000 snaps again this year. He missed it by 23. Had he not got a concussion, uh, I think it was against the Patriots, he would have hit it again. I predicted he'd have three interceptions, only had one. I predicted he'd finally make the Pro Bowl. It's going to be no bowl for Adrian Amos this year, unfortunately. I think this was a step backwards for Adrian Amos here as well. And if you look at how he performed, you might believe or be led to believe that the decline is beginning. And it comes for every NFL player sooner or later, your play begins to deteriorate as you age. And if you just look at how many snaps Adrian Amos has played over the past few seasons, you would understand if he was getting into the point of his career where he starts to slow down a little bit. He has been at or near the top of the Packers' um, snaps played charts for since he arrived in Green Bay. Hasn't missed a game in four years. That's a lot of wear and tear. And this year, at least in part, it resulted in the lowest graded coverage season of his career, according to Pro Football Focus. I do think that potentially speaks to a decline in some athleticism. However, as we've said before, there's also reason to believe he was being used slightly differently this year. And again, I want to dive deeper into how both he and Savage were used this year. So look out for that post coming up on ThePowerSweep.com. I will follow up and let you know what I find on that. As far as next year, it's not going to be in Green Bay. It sure doesn't look that way. Contract voided on Monday, so that is probably going to be that, a really, relatively inauspicious end for someone who was a very solid player for four years in Green Bay. I really enjoyed Adrian Amos's time here. And personally, just for the power sweep in Blue 58, it's a bummer to see that end because we did we supported his charity now for three years in a row, uh, doing our, our monthly or not monthly, our yearly charity drives around the holiday season. We're gonna have to find a new one for next year if Adrian Amos is not a member of the Green Bay Packers. That of course is not gonna be all that difficult because you know, Packers and Packers fans love to support charity and do some great charitable work. Just that long running relationship, if we can call it that, we didn't have an official relationship with Adrian Amos or his charity, but just seeing that relationship, that association coming to an end is a bit of a bummer because he was a really enjoyable player. The time we had him in Green Bay, flipping over to corner. It, again, was a pretty small room. You think about defensive backs having a lot of them, having a bunch of guys play on special teams, rotate in throughout the season. Wasn't really the case at safety. It really really wasn't the case at corner either in terms of guys who didn't meet the 100-snap threshold, Shamar Jean-Charles and Corey Ballantyne. There's nothing really to say about either of those guys. Jean-Charles dealt with injuries all year long. Ballantyne was a special teams-only player. Thought he might get a look as a kick returner at one point, really never did. Not a whole lot to say about either one of those. We're not part of the picture on defense for any appreciable amount of time, and certainly not in any way that mattered. Keyshawn Nixon was, though. He played 289 snaps on defense, 231 on special teams, 23 tackles, an interception, a forced fumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That doesn't matter as far as the Keyshawn Nixon story goes, and we probably should wait to do this to talk about when, until we're talking about special teams. But the story for Nixon is that he led the league in kickoff returns, return yards and took one kickoff back 105 yards for a touchdown, nearly had another one too against the Miami Dolphins, just couldn't quite get it all the way there. Nixon surpassed expectations in every imaginable way, more than serviceable on defense. He was an elite returner. He was a fun guy. So what happens next year? That is the million-dollar question, isn't it? He just finished up his age twenty five season. Seems ripe for a new deal with some potentially some void years in there. If you sign up for a, a three year deal, you get him through ages 26, 27, and 28. I'd do that deal, I think. I think I'd probably go as high as three years, maybe like 18 million dollars. That's average annual value of six million dollars. I you tack on a couple of void years, that gets pretty manageable. Even if he's only an elite returner for another year or two, that's fine because he's still giving you plus value on defense, which is more than can be said for most of the rest of the secondary, especially in a small role. And, you know, it occurs to me you look at a guy like Keyshawn Nixon, and yes, he should have been returning earlier. Punts, kickoffs, yes, totally for sure. But you look at the snaps he ended up playing even if he should have been allocating those snaps as a returner earlier in the season on special teams, the breakdown between where he played on defense and how much he played on special teams seems just about perfect. And we've said about a lot of guys this year, okay, this guy was playing way too much. This guy was not playing nearly enough. There are very few guys where it feels like their role was exactly perfect. And other than the way that they were using him on special teams, which wasn't his fault at all, It seems like Nixon was right there in the sweet spot. He was good when he did play on defense, but they didn't play him all that much. 289 snaps, just a few here and there. Not too bad. A bunch of time on special teams, which is exactly what you thought he'd be doing. And he was great when he was out there. So what do you do? $6 million a year, admittedly, is quite a bit for a guy who's not playing a ton on defense, but I think we saw the value that he contributed on special teams, and if he can continue to give you great field position as a punt returner and as a kick returner, that is... Valuable, and the Packers far too often over the past two years have been willing. Shoot, not just over the past two years, not just in the Gutekunst era, in the Ted Thompson era too, probably dating back to the departure of Micah Hyde, the Packers have seemed all too willing to let some of those little marginal improvements go—the extra five, ten yards to start a drive, which adds up to maybe fifty or sixty yards over the course of a game. Because of how great Aaron Rodgers had been for so long, it felt like the Packers were willing to let that slide. That even came up when Maurice Strayton was the special teams coordinator. Somebody asked him at the start of his his tenure there, why do you think special teams hasn't been great in Green Bay? He said something to that effect. He's like, Look, we're not really concerned or haven't really been concerned about complimentary football because Aaron Rodgers has been so good. Well, in a year where Aaron Rodgers wasn't as good, suddenly those extra yards that you can get on special teams matter a whole lot more. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Packers started playing much better as a team once they started getting some extra free yards from their return game. So yeah, that probably is worth $6 million a year. You might balk at the initial, uh, initial price tag there, but for what it gets you, that's pretty valuable not so valuable, was Eric Stokes. I don't know if you want to do superlatives, you want to nail down best player, worst player, but if there was a situation where you wanted to talk about the most disappointing player of the 2022 Green Bay Packers, Eric Stokes might be there. He ended up playing 477 snaps on defense, 74 on special teams, appeared in nine games. I would have guessed it was like four. Just flat out guessing, but no, he was there all the way through the Detroit Lion games, the first one. We can talk about tackles. We can talk about how often he was out there, how many snaps he played. Here's the real story for Eric Stokes in 2022. In nine games, Eric Stokes did not make one single play on the ball. No interceptions, no passes defensed, no sacks, no forced fumbles, He was essentially invisible on defense, except for all of the times that the opposing team found him, which was fairly frequent. He allowed an NFL passer rating of 125.5 when he was targeted this year. He allowed completions on 21 of the 25 throws that came his direction, giving up one touchdown. He was also penalized twice. He had a very solid rookie year and a catastrophic second season. We predicted a bunch of good things for him. It's not even worth enumerating what they were because he hit none of them. And I don't know how you look at Eric Stokes' season and characterize it as anything other than an unmitigated disaster. And in some ways, I think you could argue that the injury may have been the best thing for him because things were spiraling for Eric Stokes when he got hurt against the Detroit Lions. It was not going well. And an injury gave the Packers an excuse to just basically redshirt him for the rest of the year, say, sit down, get healthy, get your mind right, kind of clear yourself out for year three, we'll try to figure it out again next year. Because things were not going well. There really was no reason to play him at that point in the year, because it couldn't have gotten a whole lot worse than how things were going for Eric Stokes. Next year, though, is a bit of a tricky wicket because he needs a bounce back here in a big, big way. And he's going to have to have it without Jerry Gray in the house. And Gray, for the disagreements that he appears to have had with Joe Barry on how the defense should operate as a whole, I think was getting quite a bit out of the players on an individual level. Everyone spoke highly of him. And yes, he was not able or maybe willing to get the, the secondary to do what they needed to do in Joe Barry's scheme. But he did have the ear of the players, and he did have a lot of experience. And unlike Joe Barry, he has actually coordinated a successful defense in the NFL. Gray was the real deal. He was a good coach. Eric Stokes is going to have to have his bounce back here without him. And the Packers will be making a decision about his fifth-year option about this time next year. Well, between now and May or whenever it is, but you get the get the idea. Next offseason, the Packers have to decide on his fifth-year option. Right now, through two years, the answer for me is a big no. And I don't think that should be all that controversial. Top two guys in terms of snaps played for the Packers in their cornerback room are Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas. Jair played 901 snaps on defense, 61 on special teams, 43 tackles, four for a loss, a career high five interceptions, and 14 passes defense, the second highest number of his career. I think he delivered. Play in, play out basis, I think you can get a little bit in the weeds with how he played, but I was actually kind of a fan of what he did in 2022. I think there were points where you saw him saying, Look, I know what the scheme says, I know what The coach says, I'm supposed to do here. Here's what I think needs to happen and going out and making it happen. And I know that's a tough thing to say, just watching TV copy, not doing a ton of in-depth film analysis on what he did in 2022. I'm not the one qualified to do that film analysis anyway, but he was playing a little bit of mercenary football in 2022. I think that is fair to say. He was doing it his way. I don't think that's a good long-term thing, But I think you could argue in the second half of the season, that is what the Packers needed. And when it was good for Alexander in 2022, it was really good. He did great. I thought against the Buffalo Bills. I loved his attitude going in against Stephon Diggs. We talked about rewinding to that point in the season, you know, whatever that was, late October, early November, week eight, right? Somewhere in there. We talked about how, (laughs) we had the question, how scared, were we of the, the Buffalo Bills? And I said something like, I'm not scared at all. It's like being, it's like the dinosaurs being afraid of the asteroid. What are you going to do about it? The Buffalo Bills were so much better than the Packers at that point that there was no reason to even be scared. Just hope it doesn't hurt for all that long. And the Buffalo Bills basically took care of, dif- dif- or t- took care of business against the Packers. Except the one person who was willing to step up and get in the Bills' face and let them hear it was Jair Alexander because he was chirping Estefan Diggs from the moment they walked out of the tunnel together till the second the game ended. Regardless of what was happening on the field, Jair Alexander was out there letting the Bills hear about it. And I think that is a hard thing to replace on the Packers' defense because there are so few guys that are willing and able to do that kind of thing, play with that kind of swagger and intensity, and also have the skill to back it up. And that is what Alexander brings. So looking at some of his individual numbers and some of the things that he did, yeah, if you want to say that his 2022 wasn't as good as it could have been or that it it wasn't worth the contract, I hear you. I, I would tend to agree with you. But I think there's an aspect of giving the Packers what they needed too, And some of that doesn't always boil down to just being Mr. Follow every single assignment. Sometimes to take your team to a place where they have not been capable of getting, you have to do what they haven't been doing. And Alexander was just doing whatever he could, playing outside of the scheme, gambling at times. And it worked, I think, about as often as it didn't. And even if it didn't work all the time, he sure did a heck of a job against Justin Jefferson in that one game. And... That was worth the price of admission no matter what else happened that season. Finally, Rasul Douglas, 914 snaps on defense, 172 on special teams. He missed Adrian Amos in total snaps by two. Adrian played a few more snaps on defense. Douglas played a few more on special teams. In the end, in terms of total total snaps, Adrian Amos finished the year with two more, 1,088 than Rasul Douglas, who finished the year with 1,086. That's how tight it was. Really close. Had high expectations for him coming into this year. I think he met just about everything we could have asked of him. I think he did well. I also think the Packers may have misused him. Because I think Rasul Douglas is an outside corner, and the Packers really wanted him to play in the slot a lot this year played nearly 200 snaps in the slot this year. And this is another situation where I want to dig into the data more because I wonder if there is a correlation between games where he did or did not play well and how much he was playing in the slot in those particular games. One play is kind of burned into my mind. The Bills, to circle back to that game, got a big play right down the middle of the field. And Rasul Douglas was covering, I think it was Stefan Diggs in the slot on that particular play. I wonder if you look at Douglas's overall performance this year, grade-wise, according to Pro Football Focus, you know, completions given up, stuff like that, if there is a correlation to when he was playing in the slot and when he was on the outside a little bit more. Overall, it seems like he still did have a pretty good season, but I think the Packers put him inside a little bit more because it comes down to run support. Which is a little bit weird to me. On the one hand, Douglas played really well against the run this year. He was an excellent run defender, had more than 80 tackles on the year. Reliable, strong tackler. And I think that's why he may end up on more the back end of the Packers defense in 2023, but let's not go there just yet. The case the Packers I think would make was they want to have Douglas in the slot because well Alexander is good on the outside too and Eric Stokes is only going to play on the outside so if any of those three guys needs to play in the slot it's probably Rasul Douglas because he might be able to make up uh, make more of a difference in the run game. It is however a passing league, and it's weird. It feels weird in in my mind. Be making decisions about your talented corners based on their run support. And I know you have to do that to an extent, but it feels like a bit of a malpractice, a bit of malpractice to re sign a guy for his coverage abilities, then make decisions on where you're going to play him based on the run. It almost feels like the Packers were overthinking this a little bit by just saying, well, we can't play Eric Stokes inside. There's nobody else who can do it. So, well, let's just put Rasul there. I think I would have liked to see a little bit more of Jair Alexander inside. Because I think with his length and long speed versus his lateral agility, outside is probably a better fit for him. And I think this usage question becomes important because I think there's a good chance he's playing safety or a safety-like role in 2023 because the Packers have more needs at safety than at corner. And if I was trying to strengthen my overall secondary, I might be tempted to start with Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes at corner on the outside and see what Rasul Douglas can do at safety, then try to find a slot guy and a second safety. It seems like more and more college safeties are that nickel slot kind of guy anyway. So if you've got two guys that you feel good about putting at outside corner... Maybe you put Rasul on the back end of your defense, draft a guy, then you've got four of the five most important spots on your defense covered. You really only need one more guy. Instead of saying, we need two starting safeties, you only need one, and maybe you can do your slot corner position by, by committee a little bit. Or Maybe Keyshawn Nixon plays a bigger bigger role there if they decide to bring him back. Usage is going to be a big part of Rasul Douglas's future in Green Bay, whether that is in the slot, whether it's more an outside corner, or whether it's in the secondary, and I think it's important to be aware of how his usage has changed already in his relatively brief time here in Green Bay. Great, I don't want to, maybe great is too strong a word. Very, very good 2022 season for Rasul Douglas. I was happy with it. I think he gave the Packers about everything that they could have asked for, and just, was a, a really solid player overall the picture in the secondary was not great but I think at corner between Alexander and Douglas who ended up with two guys who had pretty solid seasons and there is you can build off of that that's enough that I think you can build toward something in the future I don't know what that something is exactly yet and I don't know if the Packers do either but it's February you don't necessarily have to have that answer right now. I certainly don't. And there's a long way to go before anybody really is going to have a real answer as to what this 2023 Packers secondary is going to look like. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think is going to enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.